Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you again. It's been a while, and thank you for coming out on a Wednesday night. I asked uh, to do this tonight because my schedule is so full on Sundays, and I didn't know when I was going to have another Sunday to finish this subject. So we decided to do it on Wednesday night since I was home, praise God, for a night. (laughs) Hallelujah. I began sharing with you, I believe it was on August the 7th, somewhere along there, about a month ago, on the subject of tithing. Tithing today. A choice or a command. And I didn't finish all of that, that in that one service. So I wanted to take another service to uh, wrap it up. And I'm trusting I'll be able to do so tonight. If not, then there's always another Wednesday night sometime, sometime down the road. But this has been such a controversial subject, particularly over the last couple of months. I have never seen so many sermons on tithing on the internet in my 53 years of ministry. (laughs) Some of it's good. Some of it's excellent. Some of it don't pay any attention to. (laughs) And I'm certainly not suggesting that I'm the authority. But I want to I want to read something the apostle Paul said. And it it had to do not with tithing, but it had to do with another subject. But here's what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 6, and I'm reading it from the message translation. I'm only providing my best counsel. And the passion translation says my godly advice. So that's my objective tonight, is to provide for you my best counsel and my godly advice. Then he went on to say in that same chapter, in verse 40, and I'm reading it from the Passion Translation, I too have the Spirit of God. In other words, I hear him saying, I think that I have his approval to say these things that I'm saying to you. So I too have the Spirit of God. I'm not a novice. I've been in this for a long, long time. And uh, I've learned some things uh, on the subject of tithing. And uh, so with that in mind, I want to continue that message tonight. Tithing today. Command or choice. I want to go back and rehearse or review some of the things we talked about in the previous service So we can lay that foundation in case some of you weren't here to hear it. I said to you in that service back in August that Old Roberts taught me a long, long time ago that tithing is not a debt that I owe, but a seed that I sow. Tithing is not a debt that I owe, but a seed that I sow. Say that with me. Tithing is not a debt that I owe, but a seed that I sow. Now that, that changed my attitude because uh, I just assumed from what I'd heard back in the early days of my walk with the Lord that you know we were obligated to tithe and if we weren't tithing, we were robbing God and we were cursed with a curse. Anybody ever heard that? Of course, most of us heard it that way. And of course, Malachi does say that 
But we'll get to that in just a little bit. But when I heard Oral Roberts make that statement, tithing is not a debt that I owe, but a seed that I sow. That's been my approach to tithing all this time. I tithe. In fact, tithing literally means 10%. But I tithe far more than 10%. And I do it by choice, not by command. I don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. You're smart if you do. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a smart one. (laughs) Now, whether or not we call it tithing or giving or sowing, you need to be honoring God with your finances. That's just what believers do. Amen. Honor God with your finances. Whether you choose to give 10% or more, or you choose to just simply be led by the Holy Spirit, or you just you mature as you grow, you don't have to be told by God when to give. You give. That's what believers do. We live to give. Can you say amen? So giving should be a vital part of the Christian life. Can you say amen to that? So under the New Testament, it is no longer a command. It is a choice. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, as we have seen in Genesis chapter 14. And once again, it was not by command. It was by choice. You can't find anywhere prior to Genesis 14 where God commanded Abraham to tithe. It was his choice. And you know the story how that God had had given him uh, a great victory over those kings. And he decided that he was going to tithe the spoil to Melchizedek, the high priest. And he did it by choice, not by command. Okay. Once again, tithing meant 10% or the 10th part. Now it did become a command to Israel 430 years later. 430 years later, it became a command. And you can find that in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 17, where Paul talks about that. Now, let's remember that the primary reason why that God entered into covenant with Abraham, as recorded in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19, it says, I've settled on him as the one to train his children and future family to observe God's way of life. So the reason God chose Abraham to enter into covenant to is our covenant with is because he said, I know he will train and teach his children in my ways. Okay. So if Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, do you suppose he perhaps taught it to his children and his children's children? Because that's one of the reasons why, or the primary reason why God chose Abraham. He said, I know he'll teach and train his children. Now, we can see this happening, uh, not necessarily where the tithe is concerned, but uh, sowing in a different uh, means in uh, Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. I'm not going to take the time to read it. You know the story where God has asked Abraham to offer his son Isaac. And uh, 
Most theologians tell us that Isaac was somewhere between the age of five and perhaps 18. But it is obvious that he understood sacrifices. He understood what his father was about to do. It didn't catch him off guard. He didn't know anything about this, uh, that he didn't know anything about it. Because when Abraham and the men that went with them, when Abraham reached the place where God told him to do this, as he was uh, headed up the mountain, he turned to the men and said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and return. Other translations say it this way. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and we will return. Abraham knew he was bringing Isaac back. Okay, why? Because God had made a promise to Abraham that from this seed would come a mighty nation and dead boys can't produce mighty nations. So he knew that he was going to bring him back. Would you agree with that? Okay. Now on the way up, Isaac makes this statement to his father. Father, we have the wood, we have the fire. Where is the lamb? And Abraham made this statement. My son, God will provide. Okay. Then they continued to go up the mountain, built the altar. And at some point, Abraham tells Isaac, get on the altar, straps him to it, ties him down to it, and raises his knife to slay him. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, now I know that thou fearest God because you have not withheld your only son. So this was a form of sowing. In, in God's mind, because Abraham was willing to go through it, even if he had to stand there, slay Isaac, watch him burn to ashes, then he was prepared to stand there and watch God raise those ashes up because he knew he's going to walk that boy down that mountain. And as far as God was concerned, it was a seed sown. Amen. Even though he stopped him from going all the way. You know, when, when you make a decision in your heart to sow, even before you actually sow, God saw it as a seed sown. Amen. I mean, I wrote out a check tonight before coming over here. I haven't sown it yet, but in the mind of God, it's, it's, it's sown. It's in my pocket right here. Amen. And, and I don't intend to take it home with me. So in the mind of God, it's a seed sown. So notice Isaac has been trained and taught by his father in how that God provides. Then later in Genesis chapter 26, talks about there was a famine in the land and, and God told Isaac, don't go to Egypt. You stay in the land that I will tell thee of and I will be with you and I will bless you. And then the Bible says, and Isaac sowed in that land. Now, where did he learn that? From his father. He knew that even in a famine, if God says, I'll be with you and I will bless you, which means empower you to prosper, then my father would sow. That's what he taught me to do. So I'm going to sow. And he sowed in that land. 
And the Bible says, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Now, where did he learn all of that? From his father, Abraham. Amen. From his father, Abraham. Once again, this is why God chose Abraham because he knew he would teach and train his children. But then later you'll find out uh, that uh, Jacob made a vow to God that I will give him the 10th part of all that he blesses me with. Where did he learn that? Apparently from his father, Isaac. Notice it's being passed down from generation to generation. Now later, uh, the Bible tells us in Leviticus chapter 27 and in Deuteronomy chapter 12 that it became a command. With Abraham, it was a choice. With Isaac, choice. With Jacob, choice. It didn't become a command until 430 years later or thereabout. So in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, and in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 11, we find these words, and all the tithe of the land is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 11, then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose, and you shall bring all I command. So notice it's now a command under the Mosaic law. As New Testament believers, we are told to follow in the steps of our father, Abraham. Notice it didn't say follow in the steps of Moses. Follow in the steps of our father, Abraham. Well, if we're going to follow in the steps of our father, Abraham, uh, the NIV says follow in his footsteps. Romans 4.12 talks about following in the steps of that faith of our father, Abraham then it looks like to me that if tithing was a choice with Abraham, then it should be a choice with Jerry. Amen. I'm following after my father Abraham. He's, he's, he's the example of the life of faith. And I'm to follow in his steps. So once again, Abraham did not tithe out of command. He tithed by choice. So obviously, uh, if we're going to follow in his steps, then it should be something we choose to do. Amen. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, and I'm still rehearsing the first lesson on tithing, okay? We haven't got to the next part yet. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Paul says, Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. The Amplified Bible says, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. And the word compulsion means feeling forced to do so and penalized if you don't. So what's he saying? We don't give under compulsion. We're not commanded to do so. It's just what New Testament believers do (laughs) out of respect and honor and reverence to God for all he's done for us. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, sounds good to me. Praise God. Now, the message translation says it this way. Make up your own mind what you will give. 
Make up your own mind what you will give. It's not my place to tell you what to give. It's not Pastor Justin's place to tell you what to give. Now, there have been times in my ministry where the Lord uh, would prompt me to encourage people to give their best seed, you know. But they're not obligated to do so. They're, they're not compelled to do so. They can, they can follow those instructions. Or if they choose not to, they can walk right out of the building. And they don't have to expect to be cursed on the way out. Amen? Now, I've learned a long time ago that uh, it's, it's extremely wise to give. It's extremely wise to sow. Amen. And since Paul says, make up your mind what you will give. If you choose to give 10% of your income, then it doesn't put you back under the law. Let me try this side of the auditorium. <laughs> if that's what you choose to do, it doesn't mean you're, you put yourself back under the law. Amen. I mean, you can choose to give 10%. You can choose to give 12%. You can choose to give 15%. You can choose to give 20%. But choosing to put 10% of your income into uh, wherever the Lord leads you to do it does not mean you're putting yourself back under the law. I like to say 10% is a good standard. That's the least you could do. I didn't say it's the least you're commanded to do. I said it's the least you could do. I learned... Many, many years ago, I could live a whole lot better on 90% than I could if I kept the 100%. Has anybody found that to be true? Praise God. And you know what? I never missed that 10% or 12% or 20%. <clears throat> we, we have a tithe account at this church. We have a tithe account at Jerry Savelle Ministries International. And, and that money goes out to other ministries that we support. We use it to support individuals that are in need. We, we use it to uh, get involved in uh, humanitarian work. Uh, we use it in various different ways. And the, 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 as I said this before, the quickest way to get in trouble with me is use my tithe money. I had one person do that one time. Uh, that was kind of our general manager. And uh, they found out they was using the tithe money on something else, expenses, you know. And they said, well, I didn't know what else to do. I said, well, you should have come to me before you use the tithe. You know, we don't use the tithe money for anything else but s- supporting the work of the, of, the, of the gospel, the ministry, and to help other people. Because if you look in your Bible, you will find out that the tithe not only went to what Malachi refers to as the storehouse, which most pastors, now I got in trouble for preaching this 25 years ago. I got in trouble with pastors because they think the local church is the storehouse and all the tithe belongs to them. Well, I said it again. 
pastors do not control the finances of the body of Christ. Oh, wow. I went a step further. And I got in big time trouble 25 years ago for preaching that, that pastors do not determine where all the tithe goes. And uh, some of them didn't like that at all. But you'll, you'll see in the Bible, if you go back even in the Old Testament, that, that tithing went to uh, Levitical houses. Tithing went to orphans and widows. Amen. So there were various places that the tithe was distributed. In fact, I read one theologian said only about 1% of the tithe went into that storehouse that Malachi was talking about. The other 9% was distributed in other ways. Okay, looks like we have to do another lesson. <laughs> now, we're pastors got the idea. It's religious tradition. That they control the tithe is, is not New Testament. Okay. Take it or leave it. Now, listen to this. Once again, talking about don't give under compulsion, feeling forced to do so and penalized if you don't. The New Living Translation says, don't give in response to pressure. The Passion Translation says, let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. I like to encourage people, and I've done so over the years, uh, to sow where they're being fed. If your local church is where you're being fed the most, then it's only right that a portion of your income, or tithe, if you want to say it that way, should go to the local church. But it's not saying that all of it belongs to the local church. You know I, I give a portion of my tithe. And when I say tithe, I'm just using that as, as a standard because I give a lot more than 10%. But I give a portion of my income to this church. Amen. I give, even though I'm not here that much. I'm the worst attending member here. <laughs> but I, I put tithe in this church. I, I give a portion of my income to to Brother Copeland's ministry, faithfully, every month. I give a portion of my income to Brother Hagen's ministry, faithfully, every month. I give a portion of my, of my income to Oral Roberts' ministry, which is now directed under his son, Richard, every month. And I do so uh, to T.L. Osborne's ministry. Uh, his daughter uh, is now, you know, uh, has taken over that ministry, still doing the same thing that her mom and dad were doing with world evangelism. And I, and I, I bless them every month faithfully. Amen. Why? Because those were the four ministries that fed me in the early days of my walk with the Lord. That's where I began to gain insight into the word of God and the life of faith. And even though three out of four of them are in heaven, I still support their ministries. 
through their offspring, praise God. Amen. So don't give in response to pressure. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. So once again, I like to encourage people to sow where they're being fed. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. Now we haven't read this verse, so let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Everybody still here? <clears throat> Everybody glad you still, still glad you came? <laughs> okay. Look at verse 11. Now, let me make the statement again. I like to encourage people to sow where they are being fed. If this church is helping you grow spiritually, if this church is helping you learn the word of God, becoming mature in the things of God, then it's only right that you would support it. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, Paul says to the Corinthian believers, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Now, the Amplified Bible says it this way. If we have sown the seed of spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap from your material benefits? In other words, if, if, if we're the ones who are feeding you and training you and, and helping you to grow spiritually, then is it unreasonable for us to expect you to in turn sow into this ministry? I got no response. It's what New Testament believers do. Amen. That, that's what uh, partnership is all about. We have partners in Jerry Savelle Ministries from all over the world. And many of them have been my partners for over 40 years. I meet people nearly everywhere I go. Brother Jerry, I've been your partner for 30 years, 40 years, 25 years. What are they saying? You were one of the men... One of the ministers who came in the early days of my walk with the Lord, taught me the word, taught me how to live by faith, taught me how to walk in favor, how to enjoy the blessings of God. And as a result of it, I'm doing what Paul said. They're doing what Paul said. If we've sown unto you spiritual good, then is it unreasonable for us to think that you would reciprocate? Amen. All right. So faithfully where you're being trained and growing spiritually. Now, verse 12 of this same chapter from the Passion Translation says, if you supported others, don't we rightfully deserve this privilege even more? Now, if, if you call Heritage of Faith your home church and you believe this is where God planted you, Amen. we encourage you to sow into other ministries that are blessing you. But don't forget this one. Amen. 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 Particularly if, if you 
can testify to the fact that you've grown here. You've learned the word here. You, you've, you've entered into a, a new realm of blessings from God since you've been coming here. Amen. Now, I think a key word that's found in the Psalms, those that be planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Stay where you're planted. Some people leave too soon and they don't reap the benefits that a lot of others do who are faithful to stay where they've been planted. I've seen that happen time and time again. We're, we're, you know, I'm sorry to have to say this, but the body of Christ is very fickle. They just jump at anything. Whatever the latest message is, whoever is the hottest preacher on television, they just run from one thing to the other. I don't know who came up with charismatic. It should be cruisomatic. <laughs> Amen. Just run from one hot spot to another. They don't stay planted. And if you don't stay planted where God plants you, then it's not likely you'll experience the kind of flourishing that he intended for you to experience. Amen. I got planted in Kenneth Copeland Evangelistic Association 53 years ago. And if you notice, I'm still there. Now, he's not the only minister that has blessed me and imparted into my life and I've learned from. But he was the first one. And his messages absolutely changed my life. I'm still living by those principles I learned 53 years ago. Amen. Now, I don't have to stay connected with Brother Copeland. I choose to. I want to. Out of love, respect, and honor. And that's another thing the body of Christ is lacking in. An understanding of honor. Love and respect. Amen. I I choose to stay connected with him. In fact, you've heard me tell this, that when I entered my 50th year of ministry a few years ago, the Lord told me to go back to my roots and tell Brother Copeland that I will will go with him on all of his uh, victory campaigns and I will go and serve him just like I did when I first started out working for him when I moved to Fort Worth many, many years ago. I said, I don't want a dime. I'll pay my own expenses. I don't have to preach. I'm just there to serve you in honor of my 50th year of ministry. He said, well, you don't think you're not going to preach, do you? I said, Brother Colton, I don't have to preach. If you want me to, I will, but I don't have to. That's not why I'm coming. I'm coming to serve you just like I did when I first moved to Fort Worth to serve you back then. And I don't want you giving me an offering and I will pay my own expenses, flight, hotel, food, everything. And so he 
was overwhelmed by that, but he said, you are preaching in the morning, in, in, in the afternoon, Friday afternoon service. So I did that for a whole year. Then at the end of that year, the Lord said, would you be willing to do this with him for the rest of your life? I said, of course I would. You know I would. He said, then tell him. So I said, Brother Copeland, I've done this for one year now, but I'm willing to do this for the rest of my life. Well, he was overwhelmed. Now, I don't have to have Kenneth Copeland Ministries to be successful in my ministry. I am successful. Hallelujah. Amen. God has blessed this ministry. I'm not hanging around Brother Copeland hoping to get some more invitations. I can't get to all of them I have now. I'm not hanging around Brother Copeland for any other reason than the Lord told me to honor him because of what he has sown into this family's life and, and what we've learned and how it has changed our lives and caused us to be very successful in our ministry. Praise God. And I intend to do that for the rest of my life. It's my choice. And notice the Lord said, would you be willing? And he said, I command you from here on out, you serve Kenneth Copeland. He said, would you be willing? I said, yes, sir, I would. Then tell him. So I did. And that's what I'm doing. Hallelujah. Amen. And I, I haven't received a dime for preaching in his meetings. And I preach in every one of them. I've paid my own way. But you can't outgive God. Because I treat that as a seed. I treat that as a seed. And I, I believe that's part of the reason why during 2020, we broke all records. 2021, we broke those records. And 2022, we're breaking those records. Hallelujah. Amen. That, that's part of the reason why. Amen. And, and the Lord said to me, he said, from here on out, <clears throat> your relationship between you two ministers will speak as loud as any sermon you preach. Because you don't see this in the body of Christ. The uh, preachers are very competitive. In case you didn't know. Amen. Preachers are very competitive. Well, we're not. Hallelujah. And it's speaking volumes to people. In fact, uh, Mark Barkley said to me one time, said in one of Brother Copeland's ministers' conference, he said, uh, I have great respect for Jerry Savelle because he has his own ministry. He doesn't need Kenneth Copeland Ministries, and yet he's still serving him. So it's speaking. It's speaking. Amen. But it was by choice. All right, now listen to this. Once again, Paul says from the Amplified Bible, if we have sown the seed of spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap from your material benefits? Verse 12 from the Passion Translation. And if you have supported others, don't we rightfully deserve this privilege even more? So Paul is making it very clear that he's not demanding this from them, but 
In his mind, it's the right thing to do. Is anybody interested in the right thing to do? Amen. Uh, Sowing out of love, honor, and respect should be the reasons behind your sowing in the first place into other ministries, into this church. Amen. It's the honorable thing to do. All right. Now, introduction is over. Let's go to the famous tithing verse, Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Bring ye, verse 10, all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Now this verse is often used probably every Sunday to teach Christians the need to tithe to their local church. The church didn't even exist when this was written. Amen. Not only that, it was written to Israel. It was written to the nation of Israel. And then it goes on to tell us that because of their disobedience and not following this command, because it's a command now in, in Malachi. And because of their disobedience, God judged them And said to them, verse 9, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me. Now let's remember, he's not talking to the New Testament church because it doesn't even exist yet. He's talking to the nation of Israel. Malachi was written more than 400 years before the start of the first Christian church in Jerusalem. Applying this command to the New Testament church takes it out of its context. Tithing is mentioned more than 18 times in the law. However, the law was fulfilled with Jesus. In Matthew 8 or Matthew 5:17, Jesus said, "Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets." I am come to uh, not to destroy, but to fulfill. <clears throat> Amplified says to complete. And the New Living Translation says, I came to accomplish their purpose. The book of Hebrews explains how that God always intended for the old covenant to lead up to the new covenant. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. But now hath he, speaking of Jesus, obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much more also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. So there would have been no reason for a new covenant. 
if the first covenant was faultless. So Jesus' life fulfilled all the law. His actions fulfilled the law. He didn't discard the words of the prophets. He fulfilled them with every word and every action of his life. Now, get ready for this. As recorded in the book of Acts, as the New Testament church began to grow, beyond the Jewish people and reach out to the Gentiles. Now, you know that's recorded in the book of Acts. The leaders struggled with whether or not to command these New Testament believers to follow the Mosaic law. In the end, only a few instructions were given, but tithing was not one of them. Okay, I see you looking at me funny. Go to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Excuse me. Look at verse 19. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them. These are the leaders talking about these new believers, Gentile believers. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. So we know he's talking about the Gentiles. But that we write unto them. Now here were the first instructions to the Gentiles. That they abstain from... uh, pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. I don't see tithing in there. I don't see tithing in there. It wasn't mentioned. Now the leaders struggled with whether or not they should bring the Gentiles under the Mosaic law. But they decided against it because the law had been fulfilled. Okay. Now look at verse 24. For as much as we have heard that certain which went not from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying, ye must be circumcised. And keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. That's pretty clear. The leaders are saying there are folks that came out and told you you have to do this, this, and this by command, but it didn't come from us. Okay, so once again, you don't see tithing mentioned in those instructions that they gave these Gentile believers. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. So what are we to do? The principle in the New Testament is to give voluntarily to support the needs of others, to support Christian workers, and to the expansion of Christian outreach. 
If your local church has in place these programs, then it is certainly fine to bring offerings for this purpose. But no specific amount or percentage is mentioned. It's up to you. It's your choice. I thought you'd be happy about all this. (laughs) Now, while a tenth of one's income is a good standard to go by, once again, it's not commanded. It's a choice. And I can say to you that my doing this all these years has produced great benefits. I don't think I'd be where I am today if I wasn't a giver, if I wasn't a sower, if I wasn't willing to give uh, to honor God with my substance. I would not be where I am today. Okay? Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, once again, every man according as he had purposed in his heart, so let him give. The message translation, make up your own mind what you will give. New Living Translation, decide in your heart how much to give. Passion Translation, let giving flow from your heart and, from, and not from a sense of religious duty. So the Apostle Paul recommends that you do bring offerings to your local church. If that's where God has planted you and where you're being fed. First Corinthians chapter 16. Go there with me. First Corinthians chapter 16. see where I want to start. How about verse 1? Nope, that's not what I'm looking, what I'm looking for. Well, I wrote down the wrong verse, but here's what it says. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. Somebody know where it is? Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Ah, I'm not in 1 Corinthians. That's the reason it didn't say what I thought it was going to say. Okay, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Now, Paul says, I am suggesting that you do exactly what I told the churches in Galatia to do. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay in store as God has prospered him. 
The Amplified Bible says, Now concerning the money contributed for the relief of the saints, God's people, you are to do the same as I directed the churches of Galatia to do. The message translation says, you get the same instructions I gave the churches of Galatia. Now, what was his instructions to the churches of Galatia? Galatians 6.10, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially unto those who are the household of faith. The Amplified Bible says, be mindful to be a blessing, especially to those of the household of faith, those who belong to God's family. So does this mean that we can only do this by giving to the local church? No, not necessarily. But if the local church has those programs in place, it is certainly advisable to get involved with them. But you have the privilege of giving anytime and anywhere as you are directed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Understand that giving from your income is expected. Let your neighbor say, giving from your income is expected, but not commanded. And you're smart if you do. It's one of the ways that we honor God for the goodness that he's shown to us. Amen. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul's talking about how the poor Christians, in spite of their lack, encouraged Paul to allow them to give. In verse 7 it says, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. And the grace that he was talking about was the grace of giving. And that is stated in the Amplified Version. This gracious work of giving. And the message says, do your best in this too. Do your best in this too. So giving your best connects you to the supernatural. That is allowing God to have a role in your future income, praise God. I personally recommend giving 10% if that's what you're able to do. And as God blesses you, increase it. And once again, do it by choice. And when you do, don't let anybody tell you, well, if you're giving 10%, that means you're tithing and you put yourself back under the law. No, I did it by choice. Amen. I could have chosen 2%. But as a standard, I'm not giving God any less than 10% of my income. And as I've stated, I've increased that many times over the years. All right, praise God. Let me wrap it up with this. Even though tithing is not commanded in the New Testament, but for the purpose of discipline, 
Oh, there's a word the body of Christ doesn't like. For the purpose of discipline. Because if I, li- if I left it without saying this, then maybe none of you would do this, but you don't know who's going to be listening to this in the future. Oh, hallelujah, I don't have to give to God anymore. <laughs> Didn't want to anyway. You need the discipline. Don't you never say, I know you need the discipline. Amen. I mean, there, there have been times where in the natural, I didn't think I could give God 10% because there were pressing situations. Anybody ever been there? Amen. And I, I, I thought a long time, I'm talking about that, that particular time frame. God, I don't know if I can do this or not. And finally, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to withhold from God. If I have to go without Starbucks, I have to go without McDonald's, I have to go without Cheesecake Factory, let's step it up a notch, then I'll just have to go without. We can eat leftovers this week. But I am, I am going to see to it that I'm going to, I'm going to give God a portion of my income. And God's always taken care of me. It, it might not have came that day, might not have came the next night, but it always came. Hallelujah. It always came. So Paul is telling us we need to learn to abound in this grace of giving. In other words, don't, don't. Don't just say, okay, I'm going to give God X amount and just stay there. No, abound in it. As God blesses you and increases you, increase what you give to God. Amen. Amen. Now, once again, I believe it helps bring discipline to the body of Christ. Also, I believe it is a demonstration of honor. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30 says... For them that honor me, I will honor. I will honor. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's, that's honor. The message translation says deeply reverent before God. And the passion translation says offer God the purest worship. Giving to God is, is a form of worship, a form of honoring God for the good things that he's done for you. In uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, you all know it. The Amplified Bible says, honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors and with the first fruits of all your income. The message translation says, give him the first and the best. Don't give him the leftover. If you have it, if you can, if it means no Starbucks. And here's what God promises will happen with you. If you honor him with your substance, 
Verse 10, the Passion Translation says, then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings. Wow, hallelujah. Every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings. That sounds good, doesn't it? Lift your hand and say, I receive that. Hallelujah. Now, honoring God is always a demonstration of our love for him and our reverence and respect for him. And the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, let us not love in word only, but in deed and in truth. The Passion Translation says, demonstrated in loving deeds. Deeds means the application and the diligent effort of putting what you say and believe into operation. In other words, if you say you love God, show him. Amen. With loving deeds and giving to God is one of the ways that you show him and demonstrate your true love, honor, and respect for him. And God gives us this wonderful promise that when we do so, then every dimension of our life will be overflowing with blessings. You receive that? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, you ready to give? Well, you should be. Praise God. Oh, you just preached that to get us to give. No, I didn't. I preached that so I'd have an opportunity to give. Praise the Lord. Amen.